about what I've got to share, and I want to get right into it, and I hope you're doing all good out there. Uh, I think you're amazing. Turning up to church at 12 o'clock on a sunny San Diego day is quite incredible. Last time I was here, I was actually riding a Harley Davidson through your country which for nine weeks, which was pretty cool. I enjoyed it in any case. But uh, hands up all the fathers here, all the fathers. We got uh, one or two. Okay, let me ask the next question. I want to involve everybody today. Hands up those who have a father. I'll go first. It's not a trick question, right? Now, now I understand that there's some missing dads on the planet. I understand that, uh, like my dad, I mean, he's, he's long gone physically, but everyone came into the world the same way pretty much. What I'm saying is we all bleed red, right? Okay. And, and we all have a father. Now, my point to that is that I don't know whether you know it or not but we're supposed to have three fathers now I know we live in an age of dysfunction I'll get to that in a moment but I want you to write down three fathers because in this age of dysfunction it's so true because I know that some of you have got absent fathers dad left home it wasn't meant to be that way but you know that's what's happened and and so sometimes of course some fathers like my dad he died when I was 12 I mean we all come from some form of dysfunction Jesus had a stepdad did you know that Joseph was not his real dad. Hallelujah. I mean, even Moses was a basket case. I mean, everybody comes from some form of dysfunction. So we're supposed to have three fathers. Number one, write this down, heavenly father. Heavenly father. Amen. Jesus spoke a lot about him. Hallelujah. And Jesus came to bring us back into relationship with our heavenly father. Jesus came from him and Jesus was going to him. I want to read to you John chapter 14 verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and you have seen him. Friend, just to push this point home, if I may, for a moment, in the Gospels at Jesus' baptism, there was a voice that came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Wasn't it true that on the Mount of Transfiguration, that voice came again? This is my beloved Son. Friend, there is a heavenly Father. You have one. Whether you know Him or not, He's there. Hallelujah. And Jesus came to bring you into relationship. Did not Jesus pray and taught his disciples to pray? Our Father, our Father, not just his Father, but our Father. In fact, the whole mission of Christ was to reconcile people back to the Father. A lot of people have a relationship with Jesus, but not with the Father. Likewise, the church's relationship is to bring people into relationship with Christ. And also, therefore, back to the Father. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. And when the fullness of time had come, can you understand my accent, by the way? It hasn't got an Australian twang to it, although my mum was an Aussie, so there's a little bit there. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, talking about you and I, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, talking male and female, God sent forth His Son, in the Spirit of His Son, into your hearts, crying out, what? Abba, Father. Daddy, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir of God through Christ. So when we're born again, friend, and I know the majority of people in this room are not uh, have been born again. If you haven't, today is your day. Hallelujah. It's like your lucky day. You're going to win lotto today or, or whatever you have out here. The, you know, the, any case, move on. So we're adopted into the family of God. 
reconciled back to a heavenly father. I want to stretch this point. The more you cultivate your relationship with your heavenly father, the closer you become to him and the more like him you become. Like father, like son. Because the goal of the Christian life is to become Christ-like. Amen. It's one thing to get saved. Hallelujah. It's another thing to grow into the full measure in the stature of Christ. And that's a journey. When Jesus said to the disciples, come follow me, he didn't tell them where he was going. It was just an invitation to a journey. If he had told them, they may not have gone. Hello, are you out there today? But enough to say God wants to take you on a journey and is to mature you into Christ-likeness. Unfortunately, so many Christians stay immature. They still gossip. They still slander. They still do dirty jokes. Not in C3, of course, but enough to say all that side of us, because let's be honest, you've got, as I said, one of the best preachers on the planet, and he's like an assassin on a Sunday. He's out to kill some flesh, right? You've got to kill the flesh, die to the flesh. It's not easy, I know. So many Christians only have a near-death experience. It's like they nearly die, but they, in any case, we, we've got to move on. And so when you begin to follow in His footsteps, you become like your Heavenly Father. So number one, we all have an Heavenly Father. Number two, we all have an earthly Father. We all have one. Even though I mentioned, unfortunately, some may not be present. And I know through no fault of your own, some people have two or three or four, you know, stepdads and different things. And as I said, I know, uh, unfortunately, we live in an age of dysfunction. I'm not here to talk too much about that. But, you know, we see our natural father, how we see our natural father often determines how we see our heavenly father. And so many people, of course, have had problems with their natural dad, and it disfigures the character of a heavenly father. I want to encourage you, friend, because today, of course, there is a lot of abuse in families, not only verbal abuse, but even physical or sexual abuse. And all I can say to you, there's great healing in the cross of Christ. If you come from that sort of background, friend, there's greater healing. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all more. Amen. And so I want to encourage every person here, and I won't read the scriptures out, but the Bible does clear. See, God has given us the keys to the kingdom. You know, I often say a lot of Christians don't need a devil. They're killing themselves. I often say some Christians don't need a call. They need a kick. What I'm saying in that respect, God has given us the keys to the kingdom. We are called to operate those keys. And there are many keys. One of them, of course, is to honor our parents. Why? The Bible says it's a promise. If we honor our parents, hallelujah, whether we agree with them or not, but honor means to count as valuable, to count as treasure as valuable like those baseball cards, then, then therefore our life shall be long. But so many Christians, you know, they, they may love God, but they hate their parents. Well, it doesn't work like that, friend. It's a complete book. Can I hear an amen to that? So we all have a heavenly father. I think most of us would agree with that. We all have an earthly father. All of us would agree with that. The third father is where the big clash can come. But I have to preach the Bible today. The Bible is very clear that every person on the planet should have a spiritual father. Write that down, a spiritual father. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14 I do not write these things to shame you, but as beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors, hey, you know, here I am today, just an instructor. Here I am today, just a preacher. I'll come, I'll go. 
Hello, are you out there today? You might watch a bit of Christian television. Lots of instructors out there, right? Some very good ones, some very bad ones. But in any case, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. This is Paul writing through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son. So the apostle Paul's writing exactly the same terminology as father and son in the Lord, who reminds you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in the church. Galatians 4.19, Paul says, My little children to whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. That's what I was talking about before. So the Apostle Paul makes it very clear and very plain that people like Timothy are his sons in the Lord and that he is a father. And not only to uh, Timothy, but to congregations, to the church like Galatians and Philippians, people who were uh, under his ministry. And so I'm here to tell you, I know you've got your heavenly father. Many Christians understand that. I know you've got an earthly father, but you've also got a spiritual father, and that is your pastor. Amen. And of course, he has Pastor Phil, who's like your granddaddy, as it were. And you can't go around your father to your granddaddy. I'm a granddad, by the way. I love giving my grandkids things. We've got six grandchildren. This is my dear wife, by the way, of some 43-odd years. And... uh, I often say I'm no expert in marriage. I've only been married once. But enough to say that, that, that the thing is, is that, you know, my kids, my grandkids will often go around their parents and come to me to get what they want. Hallelujah, because granddaddies are real soft, right? You kind of do that with age. But friend, enough to say you've got a, a pastor who is your spiritual father. Very important that you have one, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a moment. But this was the Apostle Paul. See, your pastor labors Sunday by Sunday, preaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, not only midweek and and on Sundays, but, you know, he's praying for you, he's preparing for you and so forth, laboring, praying, watching over you, speaking into your life, raising you up and so forth. And, you know, here's the Apostle Paul. He writes to his sons, the ones that he encouraged, and not only does he encourage them, but he also disciplines them. It's like a lead balloon. But he also... Even, can I use this word, rebuke them. Never in San Diego, right? And, and, and he, he exhorted them. And that's the job description of your pastor. See, you've got to read your Bible, friend. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 4, 2. To rebuke and to reprove and to exhort and encourage. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. And so when your pastor gets up here and says, look, we're having this woman's conference. Hallelujah. It's not a matter of, well, shall I? Hello. I mean, you're either under authority, you're not under authority. Jesus said you'll never have authority unless you're under authority. Amen. And so when it comes to the, 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 the giving for that vision builder thing, hallelujah. And so we need to understand this principle. It's the key to the kingdom. It's the key to blessing. See, I want you to win in life. I want you to win in life. I don't want you defeated. I don't want you beat down. I see a lot of Christians driving around with bumper stickers on their car and it says, honk if you love Jesus and, you know, the smoke coming out of the back and it looks like the car's never been vacuumed in its life. Are you out there today? I'm not talking about you. It's the person sitting alongside you. No, I'm not. Of course I'm not. Any case, but many Christians and non-Christians, can I say this? Many non-Christians have substituted their heavenly father for some other God in their life. 
Because everybody worships something. It's not, it's not will you worship, it's who will you worship. Even Bob Dylan said, everybody's going to serve somebody. And so the thing is, is that a lot of people are worshiping, worshiping money, of course. A lot of people worship sport. A lot, wherever you put your time, energy, and money, that's what you're worshiping. A lot of people worship their car. You know, a lot of people worship a lot of things. And they substitute God because there's a God vacuum that only He can fill. And you know and I know, and Hollywood proves it, no matter how much glory or money you have, there's an empty void inside of everybody until they come to Christ. And so likewise, many Christians have substituted their spiritual dad for things like life coach or mentor or counselor. But the Bible is very clear, friend, that the pastor is the one that has to give an account for the flock before the Lord. So when you come before the Lord, it's not your mentor or your counselor or, or your life coach that's going to give the account to God. It's your pastor. I'm just here to give your pastor a break today. Would you make life easy for him? Amen. And so this is very important. I want you to think about this because you're a great sporting nation like New Zealand. Isn't it true? And because we play rugby down home, and you would know that because Pastor Jurgen would have told you that the All Blacks are far better than the Australians and all that. And uh, enough to say that no matter what sport you play, isn't it true that if you're late for practice, the coach will say to you, don't be late because you won't be on the team next week. And you go, yes, sir. I wonder how it would go in church. If we said to the musicians, if you're late next week, or well, in any case, I've got, I got to be careful. I've got to be nice. I want to come back. But enough to say, you know, if the coach says to you when you're playing the game, pull up your socks, you know, in baseball, pull up your socks. I bet, you know, the major league player saying, no, blow you. Got to be careful what words you use over here. <laughs> but the thing is, is that he'd pull up his socks. Isn't it amazing how even Christians, you know, will honor and obey people out there in the world, but when it comes to church life, well, it's just me and Jesus, you know. Hey, if I want to be late for church, I'll be late. If I don't want to read my, if I don't want to tithe, I won't tithe. Hey, I'm trying to help you get the keys of the kingdom here. Hallelujah. The Bible says to obey those who watch over yourselves. I often say to people, if you don't have a pastor, you're on your way to disaster. Well, you want to write that down. And so fathers, all three are fundamentally important to you. To be in a right relationship at all times is vital for your health and vital for your destiny. Doesn't it say, if anyone's sick, let him call for the elders of the church. You know, friend, I want to encourage you. The last verse, of course, in the book of Malachi is God returning the hearts of the fathers to the sons and so forth. So Jesus, of course, is a great reconciler in broken relationships. So one of my questions is, do you know your heavenly father? If not, Jesus will restore that relationship to you. Friend, how is your relationship with your earthly father? Is it good? Do you, have you forgiven him if he's done things against you? Because if not, friend, if there's unforgiveness in your heart, you'll never inherit the blessings of God. Number three, your, your spiritual dad. Your spiritual dad, your pastor, how is it with you and him? Well, three fathers. Can I mention three homes? You're going, oh no, three homes, goodness me. Because we all need three homes as well, friend. You might say, well, I'm having trouble paying for the one I've got. 
I didn't talk about houses. I hope and pray that you end up with lots of houses. Jesus said, if you are prepared to sow in the kingdom, you shall end up with houses and lands and so forth, so forth. And a lot of you are sitting there, well, I don't even have one home, let alone, friend, hear me out today. A lot of people want to, you know, don't want the hassle of maintaining a home and so forth. But friend, homes are so important. Let me talk to you for a moment because three homes, just like three fathers. Number one, you've got a natural home. You've got a natural home. What's your natural home? Well, it's a place you go home to from work. I'm looking around. I don't see any vagabonds in here. When I was a young, tearaway teenager, you know, the police would arrest you uh, in certain places and they, they would charge you with rogue and vagabond. Sounded pretty cool then, rogue and vagabond. You know, I don't think they have it today, but a vagabond is basically like a homeless person. You've got some vagabonds I know in your city, you know, that wear the signs and so forth, although not all wearing signs are homeless, I guess. But enough to say that uh, I, I'm looking around. Most people here would have a home to go to from work. It's where you live in. It's where you lay your head down in. It's where you grow up in. It's where you eat dinner in and breakfast and you get to sleep there. But guess what? You get to pay for the rates. Do you have rates over here? Council rates, city rates, you know. You get to pay the electric light bill, right? In your own home. If you don't pay the bill, the light bill, the lights don't come on. Are you out there today? Hello? I mean, there's other, obviously, things to pay for in your home, but everybody here, I think, has got a natural home. It's where you put your feet up. It's where you relax. Hallelujah. All kinds of wonderful things happen in your home, and we all have a home. Everybody understands that. But I said you need three homes. Number two, you need a spiritual home. Well, that got a lousy amen. A spiritual home. What am I talking about today? Well, in your spiritual home, that's where you lift your hands up. That's where you worship. You don't lay your head and go to sleep. Hallelujah. You lift your hands and worship. You grow spiritually. You grow naturally in your natural home, but you grow spiritually, hallelujah, in the home, in the house of the Lord. This is where you're fed spiritually. And not only are you fed and not only do you worship, but hey, you get to pay the electric light bill. Now, I know the bill doesn't come to you direct, but through your tithes and offerings, I said, through your tithes and offerings, and that's what you do in your spiritual home. You contribute towards your spiritual home the same way you contribute towards your natural home. Otherwise, the lights are going to go out. Are you with me today? Your spiritual home is very important to you. You're committed to it. You're planted in it. You don't just visit it. You're committed to it. The local church, your church, the church, the Bible refers to the church as the house of God. This is a house of God. A lot of people just like Jacob, this is a house of God and I didn't know it. Your spiritual home. You know in John chapter 15, is this all right? You get anything out of this today? In John chapter 15, Jesus speaking and he tells us to abide. Everybody say abide. Abide. Do you know when God says something once, it's important obviously. When he says twice, well, you better sit up and take notice. Do you know Jesus said in John chapter 15, abide, 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 abide. Seven times. Seven times he said abide. Now, I want you to think about this. He said to the waves, be still one time. In the storm, right? One time, be still. He said to the lame man, take up your bed and walk. One time. Even God at the beginning of time, one time said, let there be light, and there was. What am I saying in that? Well, I just kind of figure 
If Jesus said abide to Christians seven times, that maybe it's easier to get a lame man to take up his bed. Maybe it's easier to calm a storm. Maybe it's easier even to create the world than to get Christians to abide in the house of the Lord. In other words, to stay and get planted. Because, you know, things happen in church life. Just like in your natural home, offenses come. Things happen in life. You know, you come along long enough, something's going to happen. God calls it the sandpaper ministry. In other words, people rub you up the wrong way at times. Maybe even the pastor doesn't say hello to you because he's busy. He's got something else on his mind. And not that Pastor Jürgen, whatever, but I've done it in 33 years of ministry. Walk past a person without thinking. That person, I had a person leave my church because I couldn't remember their name. I mean, the thing is, is that offenses do come. But Jesus says to abide, 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 abide. You know, some people say, well, I can be a Christian without a church. How thick can we be and still breathe? I mean, you've got to read the book, friend. Hallelujah. To be saved is to be added to the church. There's only one organization on planet Earth that Jesus is building. I will build my church. And so we need to abide in the house of the Lord. Can I hear an amen to that? And let me say, by the way, it really does matter what church you go to. I mean, we went to a restaurant last night for dinner, and we drove a little way to, we drove past lots of restaurants. But you know, you always go to a good restaurant, don't you? Hello? I mean, the thing is, is that people will drive to a good restaurant because maybe it's good service, maybe it's a food they like or whatever. Friend, it's worthwhile driving to a good church. It's worthwhile spending some time in the car to get fed well spiritually. Amen. And so don't go out of convenience. You know, you don't, you know, so the thing is, it's so important because your eternal destiny is wrapped up where you're planted. Are you with me? You know, I was speaking and I might talk tonight about being branded. You know, everybody needs a tattoo. I'll talk about it tonight. But hey, that's quite, yeah, it's cool. So enough to say we need to be branded for Christ. But the thing is, is that, you know, C3 is a brand, right? It's a brand. I mean, City Impact Church, we got a brand and there's other brands. I mean, McDonald's is a brand. Branding's big today, right? And so every brand has got a culture. C3 has got a culture. In fact, you mentioned it before. We, you've got a particular culture. Excellence is part of that culture. Friendliness is part of that culture. You know, being generous is part of the culture. And every person that comes here needs to get branded with a culture. Otherwise, you feel like the odd one out. And so somewhere along the line, you've got to die to yourself. Well, I didn't get much out of worship today. Well, we weren't worshiping you, friend. I mean, I'm just here to tell you. We're worshiping God, amen? In any case, I've got to move on. I want to make some friends here today. Hallelujah. But there is some churches in the book of Revelation that Jesus is on the outside. He's knocking on the door trying to get in. So you don't, you've got to be careful. And this is a great church. I want to commend it to you. I've come all the way from New Zealand just to tell you that Pastor Jürgen and Leanne are some of the best people on the planet. Hallelujah. And everything flows down from the top. Things don't flow up. You know that. Hallelujah. So just like you don't want to be homeless in the natural and you don't want to be homeless in the spiritual, why is that? Because there are a lot of Christians who are homeless in the spiritual. You know, we kind of talked about the local church and so forth. But the reason you don't want to be homeless in your spirit in church life, why? Is because everybody needs a monster's third home that I'll talk about just briefly. John chapter 14, Jesus speaking. 
Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, everybody say house, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I'm sorry, I would have told you. I go to prepare a what? A place for you. Do you want a mansion in the sky or do you want a shack over the back? Hello? And I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am you may be also. And where I go and you know the way. And, and then he went on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so the third home that you need, not only a natural home, a spiritual home, but this eternal home. I'm talking about your home in heaven, the one that is being built. Hallelujah. The one that's being built for you. This is the one you really do want. This is the one you dream about. Hallelujah. See, life is so short, friend. It really is. Even if you're young, let me be honest, life is so short. But eternity, there's always a bigger picture. Amen. And so... The truth is, and here's the bottom line, you don't get home number three unless you've got a home number two. See, if you're not part of the body, I, I never see a little finger running around by itself or an ear running around, but a lot of Christians are running around by themselves. They're not connected. They're not part. Maybe they're not in a small group or in the main, uh, you know, just, they're not connected. There's no relationship. But we're a body. We need one another. You've got to read your Bible, friend. It's in the Bible. And so these, you know, spiritual homeless people end up in that other place. And I don't want anybody to go there. I preach my heart out trying to help people to go to heaven. Hey, how cool is that? I mean, that other place is not the sort of place you want to go to. But, you know, we're not vagabonds having no home. We're sojourners on our way home. Amen. We're just passing through this planet. And this third home is so important. We're pilgrims heading home. And so you don't get this third home unless you're part of the church. The church is what Jesus is building. I've mentioned that. It's so important. See, the devil wants to belittle the church. He wants to get people to be exalted on the inside so that, you know, it's just... Even Christians, me and Jesus, a big I. The, the middle letter of the word sin is I. And independence is killing the Western church. So people think they can do without the church. People think they can do without a pastor. And they think they're all right just running around and, you know, getting a word from here and a television ministry here. And, but no, friend, we're talking about being connected here. We're talking about being planted here. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. And so sin always makes you feel bigger than what you really are. And so the devil's strategy is to help you to try to live an independent life. But no, friend, you need the person sitting alongside you. You need your pastor or else you're on your way to disaster. And so Psalm 92 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will prosper in the courts. I want to prosper. Amen. So I'm trying to help you with the keys of the kingdom. Is that all right today? Jesus said, and I guess he's a good one to quote, but he said, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. You know, and I know, it's the same in your country. Somebody dies, and you've had some famous people die recently, and everybody says, you know, uh, they, 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 they kind of talk about them as if they're in heaven. But Jesus said, you'll not get there unless you're born again. You either believe the word or you don't believe the word. We might as well shut up shop and go home. But I happen to know it's true. The more you walk with God, the more you talk with God, hallelujah, the greater relationship you build with Him, amen? 
And so born again, being adopted into the family of God, being reintroduced and reunited with your heavenly Father. And so the disciples went forth and they proclaimed that same gospel. They declared that same good news. And where they went, they, they were commanded to save people and baptize people. And then we see in the Bible, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day were about 3,000 souls, what? Added, added. And so to be saved, friend, is to be added to the church. So in this very short message, three fathers, three homes. And for those who can put it together, let me just say this. You've got a natural home. You've got a natural dad. You've got a spiritual home. You've got a spiritual dad. You've got an eternal home. You've got an eternal dad. And so three homes and three fathers. And so, friend, if you add that up, I believe it spells one. Not three plus three equals one, but one. Win in life, friend. Get plugged in to the church, and I know that you will win in life. Can I hear an amen to that? Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we just want to thank you today for the simple word, but Father, I believe a, a powerful, profound word that if people receive, and I know many here are already operating these keys of the kingdom, but Father, for others, I pray that they would receive them, Father, and Lord, open the door and get into the church. Father, become part of it. It's like a, it's like a, a wonderful ark that saves us from the storms of life, and I pray blessing over this wonderful congregation today. Believe for them, Father, in Jesus' name.